This is the one with lubed up wrists, tear away paper calendars, lazy mud wrestling, and a guardian of the galaxy. It's called Colony in Space. Here, Here we go. go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space, counting Daleks, Dalek boot, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales, and the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read all night shoes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal road. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Pass. That's right. That's gorgeously seductive baritone that you just heard was none other than Nick. Hello, Nick. Hey, how you doing, podcast land? Hello, hello. And I am Ponkin, and today we are sitting down to discuss C058, Colony in Space. In space? Colony in Space. How appropriate did you think this title was? Given that they often go into outer space and they... I mean, they encounter colonies all the time. I I guess, yeah, it depends what you count as a colony. Um, But yes, they are constantly in space. But then I guess we're in space now. Yeah, actually, actually, come to think of it, it's not entirely inappropriate. But it is a title that is applicable to like half of Doctor Who. That's true, and also the least inspired. But then maybe I kind of like that because, <laughs> like, spearheading from space meant arc in space. What yeah, the fuck. Like, um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll, the wheel I'll, in space. I'll take colony in space. Mm. That's fine. It was also novelized as Doctor Who and the Doomsday Weapon. Much better. Much more. Yeah, certainly a catchier title. But do- the Doomsday Weapon only really covers a part of this. It goes the first, like, first line. twenty seconds. Yeah. <laughs> And then the last... Enough episodes for everyone to forget that there was a doomsday weapon. <laughs> and then there's a doomsday weapon. And then... A, a, and then like the a, end. Yeah, then a Cabbage Patch doll <laughs> says, hey, we should get into that. We we, we, we we're going to get to that, yeah, yeah. yeah all right, so let's summarise this uh, serial for everyone who hasn't yet watched it. Time for us to synopsize, lovify and summarize. So take a view and grab a grip and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bicycle chunk of who. Doc is temporarily unexiled, and Joe, as his stowaway, accompanies him to the unremarkable planet of Eurax. You, 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 you can do it. You can do it. Uxarius. 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 In the year twenty four seventy two, where a band of ineffectual human colonists, after fleeing an overpopulated and dying Earth, fail to make things work on yet another planet. The space colonists, and by proxy Doc and Joe, face multiple obstacles, partly in their encounters with the indigenous Uxarians, (laughs) or primitives, occasionally with an alleged giant iguana, and last but not least, when an Earth spaceship from the Intergalactic Mining Company arrives, toting rifles and laying claim to the planet for themselves. Be scow over. You are welcome. Aren't you just? So that's pretty much what this is about. Yeah, um... Where do you want to start? Do you like this? No, no, I'm going to start at the end. Okay. Start at the end with the Cabbage Batch doll that we Mm -hmm. alluded to in the the run-up to the podcast. Um, So... Slightly offensive, but that's okay. Super... Well, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not going to call it offensive because it was like, they're an alien race, right? That's... So... I don't know. They're weird. Um, what, the, what the fuck, man? I don't know. At some point in the future, aliens are going to listen to this recording and they're going to go, well, I mean, the humans were just speciesist. That's ridiculous. No, I, I, mean, I mean that... that, that what, what don't pull over. Angle? Don't pull over, Grablock 7. <laughs> <laughs> what was offensive about it? Was it that he was... No, I don't know. That he looks like a garbage patch kid. He's... Uh... <laughs> 
It's going to be a long 40 years of this. If you're picking holes at uh, like cabbage patch. Dog. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was fucking weird though, and the voice was weird. But no, the thing that really got me, the ring that made me almost shut my computer, yeah, was like, oh, will you please operate the self-destruct mechanism? Why, yes, I'd be glad. Thank you. You know, that's that's very big of you, and the justice, yeah, uh, you know, is preserved on this worth. Um, is it this lever? No. Is it this one? Yes. yes. Yeah. Four. That's it? <laughs> That's your whole mechanism? One, one lever on the central console. And they're not marked in any yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to divine it. And it's just a pull back. It's not like a pull back, forward, back, left, right, you know, A, B, X. Two people with uh, yeah, yeah, synch- yeah, yeah. synchronized key movements. No. It's just pull backwards and this whole fucking thing comes down and everyone in it. Also, I love that nodding and shaking your head means the same to this chap <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. because he doesn't sp- he doesn't say it he just like you know shake your head no it's not this one no no is this one yeah yeah, yeah. nodding 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 and, and that's it <laughs> literally just it and that's where that's where if i had a thing with this cereal it fucking died it self-destructed <laughs> It didn't even dawn on me until shortly thereafter that uh, the, the the guy, I mean, I'm struggling not to call him Minnie, this individual... The Guardian. The Guardian, yeah, thank you, sacrifices that entire species, mm. right? Because the whole species lives in, I mean, ostensibly a cave, one cave. No. And this thing blows up the entire cave. This is where I'm more fucked up. So there's Yixair is the primitives. Yeah. Right? And then there is the other, the Guardian style. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, um, I mean, they're all Yixarians. They're all right? Yixarians. It's, it's but just... this, this particular branch of Yixarians. Yeah. Like that. But he was all sort of small and withered and stuff. But, and then he talks about radiation. Is that what that did to him? Or is that just his life? You know, yes. What, yeah? Does, it, it, wasn't it the radiation regressed them? It began the regression. Yeah. It decayed them. Yeah. It's not fully unzipped. Like, is that physiological or is that just generally? I mean, it has to be physiological, I presumably. Lo- I love how sudden it was as well, just based on the cave painting chronology. Because yeah. there's that scene where they, the doc and the master, they're looking at these cave paintings. They're just like this comic strip of their entire history. Which was actually very cool. It is very cool, but frame one. Everyone's got a computer. Frame two, the, the young Yugzarian kids are listening to music on their iPods. Frame three, like barely scratching out the silhouette of a, of a person. <laughs> how suddenly did this happen? Like, or how seldom do you draw new frames? It's the gangster rap. It's the gangster rap. <laughs> what? The kids listening to the iPods. They did that. Then they created a doomsday device that would murder everyone in the galaxy. Does the Guardian sacrifice the entire Uxarian um, civilization? Well, no, because they, they, they catch some in the hallway. I'm like, hey, you stupid people, come this way. So um, just a few of the stupid ones, they survive, and they are now going to clearly become the slaves of the uh, surviving human colonists. Possibly, unless there were more in other places in the planet, and this is just where they hamster. Oh, actually, this, yeah, this, that's this, a super this is good a point. city. Yes, that's a super good point, which leads me to, an, uh, to a question, something that I didn't quite get in this serial. Were there multiple colonies? There was at least two, or the there was the potential for at least two. That the, there was one genuine one, and someone said, "Oh, there's another one." Yeah, one dude just showed up who was clearly working for. Well, he was working for the yeah. uh, the mining company, and he claimed to be from a different colony. Everyone took his word for it. Which sort of how big is that planet? It must be really big, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but it's, uh, a, I mean, it's a planet. Yeah, it's not like tiny planet from Rick and Morty. It's a it's a planet planet. Surely the miners could be on one side of it, and the colonists. Like, why does everyone have to land in the same place? Yeah, well. That's no, a good a point. Star Trek. So why doesn't the mar- why 
don't the miners go like so if we're in, we're here in in England yeah. why don't they just fuck off to Australia mine the shit out of the planet and we will never know exactly until it's way too late exactly but it's the, it's that Star Trek trope of we're gonna go down to the planet meet you there and everyone goes to the exact <laughs> same town <laughs> you know <laughs> fantasy and you here um, yeah no that doesn't make any sense oh this is where the primitives and the senate is excellent you know everything happens in the, yeah it's the same oh, god damn it <laughs> what was the dealio with the you know the tier two Uxarians because you have the one chap who's the guardian and it may just be there one was, chap there was another chap that looked like that chap oh but, now I'm being racist taller in the in the scene when everything self-destructs so there's the primitive Uxarians that we saw through they were sort of more lucky when they yeah. um, and then there was this one guy then there were the brain the guys brain. yeah it was a cape for the brain guy and then there was the guardian the chap guardian. who's like the lives guardian. in a little cupboard in the but I think, I think <laughs> the, the guardian wall. chap is the same as the brain chaps I don't think so because the guardian chap can speak and the brain chaps can't I don't think oh, that was what? telepathy I think that was like the guy just spoke English <laughs> big Coronation Street fan he's just been beaming them <laughs> exactly yeah. he's, we already saw he's got the TV on the wall yeah okay I don't get it I think I think there are three of them so at one point let me see if I can find this note at one point I, I wrote this down just because I wasn't entirely sure this is into episode two and I'm not entirely sure what's going on at this point so I'm, I'm writing that I wrote down so are there two sets of colonists four sets of aliens and a mining company but it turns out there were actually just three sets of aliens and a partridge in a pear tree and a partridge in a pear tree <laughs> yeah okay okay so how did you feel about the colony and the colonists I mean they are so disorganized yes although after many months of toiling and you know ill nourishment and stuff you look a bit fucked up That's, I okay. sort of bought that sure fine however we only get to meet a handful of them really mm. it, there seems to be quite a few of them but we only get to meet a handful properly and and it seems as though there's no method of government there like there's one guy who's in charge who's the captain he well he was the yeah he was the pilot mm. uh, and uh, I can't remember his name now Ash 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 and he just calls the shots, but he calls the shots against everyone's advice, but everyone just follows him. But it's not a dictatorship. It's just like, it follows no, so, certain so, democratic so, rules and then disregards, entirely I disregards others. Presume that's what sort of happened with the pilgrimage, uh, the pilgrims and shit, right? Like they got The captain there. is in charge. Yeah, the captain's in charge until such a time that there's like a sustainable amount of stuff for governments, governance, because like you do just need one person to go, go over there, do that, go, you know, like I, I, I again bought that. That didn't, that wasn't in issue for me a couple of things that were were more about conceptual and the writing aspect is that there's always a small civilization or a colony or whatever in space yeah there's always a reluctant well-meaning but sort of emasculated leader sure yeah we've had that and before there's always a star screen oh yeah oh absolutely yeah but that, that's the only th- you have to have a bad guy Wait, so but he was this... not bad though this is the no no he's just a bad influence yeah. I mean slash actually he ends up saving the day in a way yeah. but, but he's a star scream he's like oh god if I was in charge yeah. you know and um, we get that all over the all place all the time here's a, here's a question for you in that case do you feel like maybe there were a, a tad too many star screams in this serial because slash antagonists so we have were, we have star scream the, the, the colonist star scream yeah. then we have Caldwell who is with the mining company but then stabs the mining company in the back we have the mining company who's stabbing the colonists in the back we have the mining company who's relying on the, the was it the adjudicator who turns out to be the master who's stabbing them in the back they're using the adjudicator whom they know is a fake to stab the colonists in the back and in the 
meantime, we have the Uxarians, who are threefold and who are just stabbing everyone in the back, except for the primitives, who just don't know any better. Is that not maybe a little <laughs> bit too much going on? It's very well put. Uh, right? It's exciting. Thank you. I mean, <laughs> the one thing I would take issue with is that I don't think that necessarily qualifies any or all of them as antagonists. There are too many antagonists. Okay, not antagonists. Obstacles. Obstacles. Or, or at least, um, yeah, there's a lot of treachery. There's a lot of lines and politics and, and stuff. And, and, you know, the the sort of line of sight thing that I can see this and there's dramatic irony, but no one else can see it. Blah, 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 blah. Drink blah, people. Blah. Well... <laughs> The dramatic irony. I, we haven't had that drinking game in so long. Oh, fine. Fuck you. <laughs> it was true, though. Um, but there absolutely are more uh, antagonists because, once again, although there's a there's a setup, colony, mining company, um, settlers that are struggling, rapacious uh, corporate greed, right? Yeah. We know it's a, it's a tale as old as time. It's the D- North Dakota pipeline. Yeah, oh, yeah, or, sure. Or Avatar. <laughs> yeah. Pocahontas. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. All yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. All, it's all of the same trope, absolutely. right? <laughs> Where is Avatar? Um, yeah, Avatar. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely Unobtainium. right. Unobtainium. Yeah, like, absolutely. Know. Yeah, yeah. Where the fuck is a master turn up in any of these very simple stories? We were informed quite recently that the master actually appears in every single episode, of, and, well, serial of this season. And although I, I, I was there and present and probably read it out, I forgot again. Yeah. <laughs> and when he turned up, I'm like, fuck, you again. I mean, they mention him in the beginning. They're like, yes, uh, they do. They do master it. But I thought, I thought, yeah. in that opening sequence, this is a longer tale so this is kind of like an rtd here's a reference to the master and to doomsday device it's a reference to the doctor now having his you know being the person that can help yeah. and we'll depart from this and in a few serials time this will come off as a great payback like a payer or that this will have like a longer thread running through serials but no nope. no not happening <laughs> no not happening we just need the master to return every single time and basically do the exact same spiel over and over again i don't mind i'm gonna say that i do not mind i oh, i mind i can see see it getting a little tired and old <laughs> in the long run getting but i'm i, I love uh, delgado i think he's oh, delgado is great but he needs resting oh yeah, no yes okay you know the uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder if we had a few episodes well we did have a few episodes if you had a few serials without the delgado master and then all of a sudden he showed up again yeah i would have a rock hard boner but this time he does show up and it's like yeah this is the master season i fine with that I'm f- it's the master season I'm, okay I'll be fine I'll be better if he starts to do different stuff he's not going to he's a hun- I can almost guarantee hey. that the next time is going to be the exact same shtick I'm here I'm slightly murderous <laughs> but not too murderous but I'm definitely duplicitous yeah and I'm absolutely going to team up with the doctor towards the end of this <laughs> when we get that uh, act 3 crescendo I'm going to realise that, that my allies are actually my foes and now my, my worst enemy is actually my greatest friend and, and <laughs> confidant a trustee. I'm not going to team up with that guy. This is exactly what happened this time. And then I'm going to leave laughing like a Scooby-Doo villain. Okay, master. I'll team up with you this time. Well, <laughs> it's for the best. Why is your hand on my knee? It's <laughs> 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 so going to fuck. <laughs> or they have. Or they have been. Or the master wants to. I mean, the, in episode six, this is a six episode arc, by the way, ladies and gents. In episode six, the master offers Doc a half share of the universe. Quotes. Yes. A, t- a timeshare. Yeah. I'll have Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. <laughs> you have Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, and we we'll do alternate Sundays. <laughs> you do all the even time. I'll do all the uneven time. And like, I mean, but but the thing is, he doesn't need to. At that point, he doesn't even need to keep the doctor alive. He doesn't even need a hostage. Because I mean, what the fuck is he going to do? He knows exactly how to operate this machine. Don't pull that lever. Yeah. Whatever the fuck he's <laughs> doing. Number one, remove le- <laughs> lever. But he doesn't need him. But he still keeps him alive, and then he still offers him a co-throne. You know. 
there, there is friendship and or love there. There is love there. There must be. Yeah, no, Absolutely. I think so. and, and the other thing is that all of time and space, the master, yeah. this is the one doomsday device of presumably multiple... Uh, countless. Countless. Yeah. Why are you turned up again? Like, <laughs> it, it's, it's what we said last week. He's just in the bushes with, a, like, a bottle of wine. Oh! Oh, you are here! <laughs> No, okay, in this case, in this case, I feel like the Master didn't expect to bump into the... Oh, the Time Lords put him there. Yeah, exactly. This is the Time Lords going, oh, the Master stole our Euxerius plans. Hmm, who are we going to send to fix this? Uh, I guess there's only one person we can send. I mean... We exiled him and everything, but fuck it, let's undo that entire plot. So, up till now... Yeah. As a race of uh, beings that seemingly control the traversing of space and time. Yeah. (laughs) I like to get all all this out of the way because the payoff's great, right? You are aware of this and presumably multiple other doomsdays. Yeah. Exactly where it is in space. Yep. Exactly where it is in time. So far so good. Why not just go there and disable them? And pull the one lever. (laughs) (laughs) That will be in your document. It's in your info pack that Delgado, you know, the the master just wandered in half-inched. But isn't that what Delgado says? Doesn't the master actually say something along the lines of typical Time Lords, they know everything, but they do nothing. Yeah, yeah. It was a really nice way of just, you know, encapsulating the, at, at the very least, this generation's Gallifreyan philosophy. Yeah. But then they do send the Doctor to do things. Yeah, that's true. Do you think maybe there's an element of um, either like, giving like, him a chance to redeem himself or this is part of his penitence. Now he has to clean up our mess. We let someone come and steal shit from us. Now... I guess he's the space police. But then I also I probably think more likely that there's like a, a Time Lord project manager called Stuart that like is Stuart. just shit. At like... Is it the Stuart? The, yeah, the Stuart. The Stuart. The Stuart. Oh, nice. Mm. Uh, and he's supposed to, like, look after the getting rid of Doomsday Devices project, and he just he's just really far behind, and he's over and He's flipping through the files. Yeah. He's like, wait, 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 wait. 56, 57, 59. Fuck, we're missing one! <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> Which one is it? Oh, is it the one with the overweight people in spandex and loincloths? All right. <laughs> Send the doctor. Uh, it didn't dawn on me until quite late in the game that they were also wearing loincloths on top of their spandex. Meaning the spandex is their skin. That's what they look like. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I see. No. I was. I think I got that to begin with. But then, I don't, yeah, the Euxarians or the primitives or whatever. They were in. That's the thing. They, it had everything it needed. There was a oppressed populace of uh, Aboriginals. Yeah. There was settlers that were trying to work together. I guess with these Aboriginals and some, but also were quite oppressive of their own regime. We had this rapacious corporate greed that wants to plunder and rape and pillage. Yeah. The land. We didn't need anything else. You, you mean we didn't need the master? Didn't need the master. And we didn't need the doomsday device. I didn't get it. There was no need. No. But if you don't have the doomsday device, then you have no reason to have the master there. <laughs> well, quite. And if you've signed a contract that gets Delgado in every single serial, then what else are you going to do? Is that the case? Can we prove that? I don't know. No, I mean, th- sorry, that was not, I'm not claiming that at all. That's just speculation. Slash, Podcast I genuinely life. think that people liked him. I mean, I like him. I like him too, but you know, this is getting lazy. Yeah. Well, no, actually, no, it's not. That's, a, that's the, the complete opposite. It's getting needlessly complicated. <laughs> For some reason, like, they're like, hey, I've got this great cereal. Cool. One thing is missing. <laughs> <laughs> that thing we always have. Yeah. Can you just do a whole rewrite? <laughs> <laughs> and stick that mustachioed uh, man in there. 
Oh, I love oh, his goatee. The, the the goatee of Delgado is amazing and timeless and and iconic. Uh, yeah. as iconic as the pepper shaker. Um, the pepper pods, yeah. the dollars, yeah. Um, but the other moustaches in this area, wow. Oh yes, porn stash of ash. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all the colonists. That was one of my first thoughts as well. Was just like, oh, yeah. So you're saying this was filmed in the seventies? You know, <laughs> I would not like it. One of them enters like, I've come to colonize. <laughs> did you like the the robot, the best robot ever? I really did. I loved it. You know what it made me remind me of? Wotan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that robot is amazing, but. How much better is he, I'm saying he, but how much better is that robot when they put the horrendously fake lizard hands on it? Isn't that just the best thing ever? And then they keep the hands in a special safe. <laughs> lizard safe. <laughs> the lizard safe. The lizard safe. There's a cans payable over there. <laughs> the lizard safe. Yeah. I, and their plans were sort of terrible. Like, we're going to scare people off by just landing a different continent and mine yeah. that one. Um, but that's the thing. Like, if, if they go elsewhere, they don't even have to go far. And it's not like they, they're not, their work isn't hampered by colonists being there. Well, see, this is where a rewrite would have actually been good because you could get rid of Delgado and the Doomsday Vice. But the ultimate peril could be that in the 25th century, mining means essentially destroying the planet, which is a Doomsday Device for the people on the fucking And planet. that would be the Doomsday Device, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, the interplay between the IMC and the colonists and the Exarians and and Doctor being a mediator has genuine peril. There's like a countdown. You know, you have your countdown. It's going to split the Earth's crust or the other planet's crust or whatever. Okay. The thing is, I'm I hear what you're saying, but the thing is, I feel like they they did something very similar to that already because they then plopped all of the colonists on the spaceship and said that when I mean you're going to die, we are going to win. We're going to start off this bureaucratic process. While that process is running, we're going to stop mining. The mining will kill the planet, except they don't do it as dramatically as you just said. Mm. And then the apex of that is we're going to plop you on the rocket ship, which we all know is going to detonate. Like, it, well, yeah, exactly. You're so, all going to so die. That's terrible. I mean, my thing is probably more dramatic, but yeah, actually, yours is, you know, the thing they've done is is fine. It's a perfectly dramatic and terrible thing to happen um, to avoid. Hmm. But everyone loves a big clock, don't they? Yeah, everyone but Drew. Everyone but Drew. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I see your point, though. I mean, yeah, I, I quite like the... That's a good idea. I like that, of, of having the IMC basically bring the apocalypse. Bring the peril. Bring, yeah. bring the pain. Mm. I mean, here they, they have to share the pain with everyone else. Mm. Ah. Did you like Joe's fanny pack? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of liked Joe. I like Joe except for one oh, scene. One scene specifically. Oh, is it when... Wait, wait okay, should we say it at the same time? I took a course in escapology. Oh! That was my thing. Oh, that wasn't my what's thing. Your, what was your thing? My thing was when they first arrived and she's like, oh, I'm going to open the doors. Oh, I want to go out. Oh, no, I want to go home. I want to go home. No, that's fine. I guess there's a range of emotions when you go to an alien planet. Not everyone's just like, yay, great. I was all right with that, I think. I mean, it was no. a bit kind of crap. But I whatever. didn't like it. But the whole, oh, yes, I once took a course in escapology. Why did you do that, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> no one teaches that course. It's like you, yeah, so, you know, you're a sixth form, what you do? Maths, maths is a good subject. Sociology, that's quite interesting. Escapology. <laughs> yeah, okay, so it's fun that you uh, you should say that because we got a comment on Facebook, on facebook.com slash who back when, all in one word, which, uh, please, ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land, please keep uh, popping comments on Facebook. Please also pop comments on whobackwhen.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this one came from Grant Smith. Grant! How you doing, Grant? Hello, hello, Grant. 
Uh, Grunt said, funny you mentioned Joe's age. Uh, this was about our... I can't remember which episode Close this access. was. Possibly, well, maybe, the, maybe the, the Auton ones. Auton I want to say Auton ones. Anyway, uh, he says, funny you mentioned Joe's age. Originally, she was meant to be 16, but they decided against a schoolgirl being in the army. It'll pop up a few times that she has had basic training and a talent for escapology. Now, escapology yeah. is like a magician thing, right? That's well, it's just being... It, well, yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, exactly. That's it's, not like a military discipline. No, but I... It's not like hand-to-hand I, combat over here. Here's, like, small arms training. That's true. Like, that's true, but, I mean, like, if you were to say... Sergeant Benton, right? Benton. Yeah. Do you reckon he's maybe good at escapology? Yeah, why? yeah, why? fucking why hell he? yeah. Why would he be? Because he's a unit badass, obviously. Like, oh, we're going to tie him up? No, there is no rope on earth that can keep Sergeant <laughs> Benton like, down. Yeah, but there was a key under my tongue the whole time. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's to unlock these ropes. That's escapology. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's like you're caught in like I don't know some sort of counter intelligence. Well, yeah, know, that's like, basically what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, oh, she's really she's good at at MacGyvering her way out of a sticky situations. I like the idea that she's like, yeah, I just kept finding myself in handcuffs, just handcuffed to things. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm I'm tremendously used to people just lubing up my wrists for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first thing that springs to mind. That's the sound. Well, that's the best. <laughs> like, like get some on my wrist. Yeah. <laughs> Pass me that tub of Vaseline. Do you know what I would love to hear? Is it that it's like, so we're tied to a, a bomb. And then Porn Stash goes, do you want to go out with a bang? <laughs> yeah, that was a great moustache. Anyway. That was a good, that was a good moustache. That was a good moustache. <laughs> so there was one moustache in particular who rang a massive bell for me. This is Caldwell, the mm. um, IMC chap who then stabs the IMC in the back. Quick, quick Caldwell chat. Go How right. do you feel about Caldwell? <sighs> I mean, I, I, there were a number of occasions during the serial when I just went, oh, cool, well, for God's sake, just just make up your mind. <laughs> but there is one part where they were just like, you've killed two people. You're going to make this much money. Well, okay then, but no. <laughs> he literally says like, well, okay. Uh, but there's also the threat of him being executed. Yeah, that's later. But first, what turns up is just these, these you know, outraged people who like you, have been hurt. They, they, yeah, then, they tell him like, oh, the, we're going to make a pile of money. You're going to be filthy rich. But what also, see, he was just like, look, I don't mind, you know, scaring people and getting this. Like, so you don't mind making people like sort of essentially environmental refugees. That's fine. And then if they die subsequently, if they go to another inhabitable pl- a planet and they die, you're fine with that as an idea. You basically you just don't want to see it. You just don't want to see it. <laughs> when he tells the colonists, your spaceship is completely fine, even though he knows that it will blow up on uh, on liftoff. Mm. I mean, when it then eventually does blow up, he feels really guilty. <laughs> <laughs> This thing, his moral compass is all out of whack. Like all of the things, like oh, I'm, I'm actually virtuous. I just, I mean, I'm rocking a hard place. Like, no, no, you're not. Well, here's a fun thing. We have encountered this chap before. Caldwell was played by Bernard Key. I don't know if Ooh. I'm pronouncing that correctly. Key or K? K maybe K A Y. Spell K A Y. K A Y. Yeah, K. K. Bernard K. And we've encountered him in three different serials before. Oh, shit. He has three prior Doctor Who connections. He was, in chronological order, he played Carl Tyler in The Dalek Invasion of Earth. Not the version that we reviewed, the, the Cushing the, one. The, the actual the, original Hartnell version. I believe we refer to him as Tyler Durden in that one. Then he was Saladin in The Crusade. Ooh. And uh, I remember when we reviewed The Crusade going, Holy fuck, that's Tyler Durden! That is Tyler Gordon Durden! You know? Anyway, and then he I returns... I make the remark of, you look like a Saladin. <laughs> <laughs> 
He was in shameless BBC blackface Great. as Saladin. Then he returned in The Faceless Ones, which is both a great and terrible uh, serial. I, I now remember it quite fondly. I can't remember if I, I may have given it the worst rating ever, but I remember it very fondly. And he played two different characters in that one. He played Crossland. I want to say Detective Crossland. And uh, no, sorry, it says here, Inspector Crossland. And The Director. Ooh. Mm, it's like the, the evil head honcho. And now Colony in Space as Cornwell. And th- this is it. Now that's it for Bernard K. Oh, wow. I'm going to raise my beaker for Bernard K. Yeah, I'm drinking pineapple juice in your honor, dude. I'm going to keep on where it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> well all right. Mm. So how were you at all annoyed that this was a temporary exile? I don't quite get it. And I, it, more importantly, I don't quite get if the doctor gets it. He very suddenly just goes, I fixed it. I fixed the whole thing. Mm. Maybe he did, by the way. I mean, we don't know. He steps into the TARDIS. Coincidentally, what's the, the Gallifreyans go, fuck it, plug it, boom, doom, uh, plopping you on this planet to do to run this errand for us, but we won't tell you what the errand is. We're just going to plop you on the same planet and hope that you solve our problem for us. Do you us. think they have a way of exerting influence on him outside of the TARDIS? You know, some no. sort of like... So I don't think so. So that is just a tremendous coincidence. Yeah. And then at the end, he gets back into the TARDIS. I'm going to assume that he willingly travels back to Earth, that he deliberately travels back to Earth and that the Gallifreyans don't do it because when he then, when they, they're back on Earth and he then steps out of the TARDIS, he doesn't go, oh, this is where they plopped me. He just goes, well... Well, do you know, Bagor says, Doctor, get back here right now. Yeah. And he turns I like that, by the way. I didn't like that at all. No? Well, again, tremendous coincidence that he was coming back at that point. No! I no, I mean, the... the I'm, <laughs> I don't know, he or the Time Lords made him basically just dematerialize from one corner of the room or in one corner of the room and then rematerialize in the opposite corner of the room. But there would have been have some sort of space between in terms of time for bagels to notice he's missing and then yeah. say the words. Yeah, seconds. That's uh, The Doctor even says it at the end. He's like, yeah, well, as far as he's concerned, we've only been gone for a couple oh, of seconds. Yeah, cool. so th- and I like that. I, I like that the, the bagels get to say, gets to say that one line that we then recognize in the final episode and go, no, of course, it's the same moment. Mm. But that's fine with me. But what is not fine with me is that the Gallifreyans didn't... It was such a fucking gamble. Like, get your shit together, Time Lords. Stuart. Stuart! <laughs> Do you think you're going to get away with this, Stu? Yeah. <laughs> On top of everything, we don't even know if the Doctor is aware of what just happened. I mean, he does see in the beginning, oh, it's the Time Lords, they're re- dematerializing us. But does he know why? Well, okay, for, let's step out of the actual narrative. Okay. Think about the writing again for, for a second. Okay. So the, there were the... the whatever council these three uh, Time Lords yeah. turn up uh, in a way that another Time Lord has turned up before and warned Doctor about the Master or talked to him about the Master in the Terror of the Autons. Uh, yes, yeah. the, the the chap in the bowler hat yeah, yeah. just floats in the air. Yeah. So these three ones are like, oh, is this a device now? Are they going to send him on missions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is it... Is, I, uh, is the next one going to start off with... I don't know if the next one is, but I yeah, we were also informed, I want to say on Facebook, that this is now going to be a recurring theme. Mm, sort of like Charlie's Angels. Yeah, but dude, you wanted the Doctor to get into the TARDIS and travel to different... Oh, I did, yeah, but of his own accord. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, but is it really that different from what we had before when the Doctor wasn't in control of it, really? Like, he would just step into it and the TARDIS would just go places. Yeah, no, I, I guess, and, and you know, absolutely, I'm too picky. I can't have it always. Um, one thing I will say is that six 
serial, six episodes into the serial, yeah. it felt like a good length. Yeah. It felt oh. like a good length. I've been told that before, and yes, I agree. With you. <laughs> it's optimal. Four, which was the last one, right? Yeah. It was almost a little bit too short. And the new Who's in comparison feel really short. Oh, they really do. Uh, so, yeah, two hours worth. I was like, what's good about that, and I think we, we talked about this previously, is the ancillary characters get development. So Ash had development. He started yeah. off with Starscream, then he goes a bit Rambo, then he goes, you know, he does some other things. Oh, uh, not Ash. You're thinking of the other one. The other one. Oh, the other whatever one. his face Yeah, is. whatever the fuck he did. That, that, that face. Um, but you're saying that the various colonists get a little bit of screen time and a bit of development. Yeah. Um, there's the shabby interloper. He gets a bit of development. You know. There's also the Joe of the colonists. The Joe, <laughs> Joe of the colonists. By the um, way, the, the possibly the only female among the colonists? Was there only one woman? And the woman is actually just a girl. I think there were two. I say just a girl. I mean, a child. I think there were two. Oh, maybe I might there be were misremembering. Two. I think yeah, no, two. maybe yeah, I'm probably wrong. Maybe by the 25th century, they figured out a new way to procreate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can see Ash carrying a child. Yeah, well, anyway. Uh, okay, okay. I, I agree. Everyone, th- there was a little bit more substance to the um, the other characters. Also, we had possibly an equal level of complexity in the four episode ones, but then not enough time. Like, And it just felt like, fuck it, this is two serials just split it in half. Mm. In this one, no, this was one serial. This was one and a half serial. <laughs> yeah, okay, so maybe it was a little bit too elaborate at times, but in general, I'm okay with it. There was one specific element <laughs> that is too much, but otherwise, yes, this is a coherent, if a little bit complicated, but that's fine. You know, we don't want to, we're not, we don't need to be dumbed down to. It was a bit complicated. Yeah. The like various machinations of either group or three. I mean, the fact that they suddenly involved human bureaucracy, mm. that's pretty amazing. Mm. Right? I, I mean, so. just even as a concept, someone had that idea. Someone went, hmm. Maybe we should tie in you know, the bureaucracy of post-environmental apocalyptic Earth. Mm. You know, the, the uh, why isn't that a thing? And it all made loads of sense. Actually, all the all the motivations were really clear, other than the masters. <laughs> <laughs> Like, we need a new place to, um, to live, because Earth is shitty. Cool. Earth is shitty, and it needs more stuff to build on it. That's why people are going to pay us top dollar for this thing that we found. Yeah. Tension. Great. And there's people, and there's people that already live on said fucking planet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, essentially, it's Pocahontas. Or Avatar. Or Avatar. Uh, which is just blue Pocahontas. Yeah. Or the North, North Dakota pipeline. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I've got a question for you. Of course you do. Can you explain to me how you distract a telepath with... Very childish sleight of hand. Thank you. <laughs> you just like very strongly think of the... Uh, no, there's no way. There's no way. We've just established in this, almost in the same scene, these people are telepathic. They can read your mind. And it's just like, right, he's not going to know that I'm going to Venusian karate chop the guy or Venusian Aikido chop the guy uh, in the neck. <laughs> Instead, it's like, oh, I made my thumb disappear. <laughs> I've got a coin behind my ridiculously useless assistant's ear. No, it, that really baffled me. It didn't make sense. Um, <laughs> but then lots of their interactions, I think, didn't make lots of sense. But Okay, here's another one. Mm. All right, so wouldn't it be great if when he meets the Guardian, when the Doctor meets the Guardian, and he keeps sirring the Guardian, wouldn't it be great if he, it, one, at one point he goes, you know, oh, thank you, sir. You know, you, you have the, the most uh, uh, wondrously civilized uh, society here, sir. And the Guardian just goes, I'm a lady. <laughs> 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 I would have loved that. Why did, Why are you assuming my gender? Yeah. Yeah. I like that very much. 
Um, also, if it's like, you know, he played great difference to The Guardian, it's like, well, the justice and stuff. And like, um, although, as an aside, why did you build a galaxy, <laughs> <Yeah>. galaxy, <laughs> galaxy ending? Oh my god, um, no, absolutely. <laughs> How enlightened are you? <laughs> In episode six, I've written here, I'm just scouring my notes for something clever to say. I'm not finding much, but I did write in episode six on this topic. Oh, so there was a WMD. I no longer sympathize with the indigenous race. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like a bad idea to leave a WMD in the hands of these chaps. I mean, they're basically Mayans if Mayans wrote Dianetics. (laughs) (laughs) Well done for sidestepping the Iraq. (laughs) Yeah, this is fucked up. It is really fucked up. It's like, the crab nebula, nebula, we did that. Why? What? <laughs> Wait, what? They did that, yeah. Yeah, I know. But, but it's like, whoa. Why? Why did you do that? Just to test it. I mean, it was their old run. Well, no, here's the, that's the other issue. It's like, so you were on an, a, a planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm with me, you so far. Okay. And <laughs> things, things are going really well. We're really advanced. We've got stuff. Yeah. Cool. We have enemies on our planet. So I've got, I'm, I'm over here. You're over there. We've got, <laughs> we got beef. Yeah. Cool. So now you build a thing that can destroy entire planets. Planets we can't get to. Yeah, but the plan is, here's the plan. If you don't behave, it's like the nuclear deterrent, but it's, it's, but it's, it's like really extreme. Ex- it's really so external. It's like, so, yeah, so it's like, if you don't behave, I'm going to get into this ship. I'm going to go really far away and then I'm going to blow up our home. <laughs> Or, ultimately, if you don't behave, I'm going to blow up Orion, and he's your favourite constellation. (laughs) What, you want another crab, Nebula? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to write, Leon sucks in the sky, dead stars. (laughs) I don't get, I don't want, why did they do this? What was this for? At some point, they were just the most malevolent bastards. <laughs> yeah, well, clearly. Or, they're like, they had a really powerful telescope, and on the other end, there was just one, like, kid giving them the beat signs. <laughs> like, <laughs> Fuck you guys. Flipping them off. Fuck you with <laughs> your external <laughs> brains. And as we go forth, our path is clear. <laughs> we need to construct a world, uh, a universe-ending gun to fuck that kid up. <laughs> <laughs> I take it back. Everyone's motives are not clear. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. <laughs> Can you imagine in, in Pocahontas or Avatar, if someone's like, yes, well, you know, the military, the in, uh, military industrial complex, uh, and we're just here trying to love Mother Earth. Also, <laughs> <laughs> we made this real big gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going to fuck some people up with it, apropos of nothing. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really fit with the, you know, the narrative you guys being a lovely, peaceful, symbiotic. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's not entirely divorced from reality, though, is it? I mean, there's a, there are a, maybe like a couple of centuries in between those steps. But in, in general, it kind of I mean, it works out, doesn't it? Everyone isn't exactly what they purport to be. Well, yes, quite. Um, and these people... The whatever they're called, Euxarians, that that species before they somehow weirdly devolved into three separate species. Uh, sorry, no. The fact that they then devolved into three separate species also included them turning themselves into. Doesn't even the doctor say they turned into some sort of freakishly scientific cult or whatever, like a, a cult of science. He says like, oh, they're, they're crazy religious zealots, basically. Right. He he, he says this. He yeah. says. The scientists became priests. They are now, I mean, they're religious zealots. They abandoned logic and they embraced the idea that they were gods. And and that was it. And now the primitives who don't have the intellect, they view the scientists as priests. And the priests themselves, they just abuse that authority. They abuse the power. Okay, cool. Yeah, great. But uh, but what I'm saying is, 
It's fine that they're lying, right? It's yeah, fine yeah, that yeah, they're no, shits in the background. That's okay. It is fine they're lying, I guess. Like you said, it does take away from the sympathy aspect. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, for the longest time, I was just thinking, I mean, these poor people, I mean, they're, they're just slaves. They are literally just slaves and they're working for scraps. Although you might say that this was probably a few generations ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But at that point, I, I hadn't seen them anywhere. I just saw the... There's that scene where... Is it Ash? I think it's Ash who's showing the Doctor around one of the, the domes. Mm. Beautiful domes, by the way. Uh, and, uh, I love a good dome. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, we had a conversation before we pressed record, ladies and gents, if, if we were dome or shed men. And <laughs> it's hard to tell. Everyone likes a good dome. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let's get back to the domes in a bit. But there's that, there's that scene where Ash is showing Doc around a dome, and all of a sudden, hey, presto, one of the Exarians just plops into frame, and he tells the Exarian, don't attack him, he's a friend. And everyone is super nonplussed by it. Like, everyone's just, oh, yeah, I guess there are aliens on this planet. Like, there's an indigenous population. Uh, and, uh, fuck it, I don't know where I'm going with this. At that point, anyway, it seemed like they were so incredibly primitive that every one but Ash. Ash was the only one who was treating them with respect, so to speak. He was like, yeah, well, we need to feed them or whatever. But everyone else was just treating them like garbage. Yeah. And I strongly sympathised with them. Yeah. It's, it's, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at, is that this is essentially an ally, or that portion is the allegory of an oppressed Aboriginal people, right? Like this happened throughout yeah, our history. Absolutely. Except none of those had had nuclear devices, yeah, not yeah. even nuclear. Like, <laughs> yeah, no in more extremists. Like, yeah. So it turns out the Aboriginals in Australia, uh, they Ayers they, Rock is they, just full of. Yeah, yeah they yeah. plotted to blow up the moon. That was just part of their bag. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. It wasn't part of the history. <laughs> yeah. A Doctor Who science question. So there's that one bit when, in the very beginning, episode one, they they dematerialize, and they're now on their way to Euxarius. And mm. the Doctor just, he goes, listen, we're outside the space-time continuum. Look! And then he points at, like, a Commodore running Pac-Man. Mm. Why are they outside the space? What? Like, is this, is this not what normally happens when he travels through space and time? He says, we are outside of the space-time continuum. Well, because we've been, we've been privy to this in New Who. This is something called the Void. Yeah. But he doesn't travel into the Void. No. It's impossible to travel into the Void. Except if you have a Void ship, or if you're a Cyberman, or if you're a Dalek, or if the plot is served by it, or, yeah. Yeah, or if you're Mickey Ricky. Exactly. Um, or Rose. Or if you can jog. Or, <laughs> or if you're a Jav. Or if you just want to. <laughs> like, you can't go there unless you really want to, and then go nuts. Yeah. We've also had, on Classic Who, we have had occasions where the Doctor has left left our, our dimension? Not, not our He's left time in a way. Now, I need a physicist for this. But So the universe is a closed system, or could be described as a closed system. Sure. Within which are dimensions. Is that right? <laughs> hmm? Wait, so hang on. Oh, well, like before, this is a different podcast. This is two laymen discuss science. Yeah, but before, <laughs> before the universe, or the genesis of the universe, yeah. before, so space, matter, and time okay. all came into existence at the same point. Uh, yes. Okay. So anything outside of that is outside of the universe and may... Do you know what I'm saying? Well, like, you're talking about four dimensions. Yeah. Four dimensions came into existence at the same point. Yeah. So yeah. if you're outside that, uh, okay. you're outside of anything that's just... That, that Trust me, I'm an expert. ...governed by the natural laws. Right? I suppose. Yeah, I mean, that sounds sensible. <laughs> <laughs> so you've left the universe. Yeah. So far, in the Hooniverse, when you leave the universe, <laughs> what you do is you encounter Rapunzel. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe this is where I'm kind of checking out a little bit. <laughs> 
Yeah, it, someone would smarter than us. Help. Yeah, please, <laughs> please, please, pitch in. <laughs> okay, soundbite time. A wonderful one from episode one. Don't believe it. It's bigger inside than out. Yes. That's because the TARDIS is dimensionally transcendental. What does that mean? It means that it's bigger inside than out. I that's, like that. That's yeah, a really good, a good one. That's a very, very good one. Okay. <laughs> Do you want another sound bites? Mm-hmm. From episode two, 135, another classic Doctor one. Are you some kind of scientist? I'm every kind of scientist. What are the... Like, <laughs> I, I'm just thinking... I, I remember thinking, what are all the different types of scientists? Like... <laughs> An epidemiologist? Are you yep. like a dermatologist? Yeah. Biologist? Geologist? He is every kind of. I mean, he is. He knows everything, right? Totally. He's a massive know-it-all. Yeah. Like a yeah, literal yeah. know-it-all. Okay. Another sound bites. Episode two, seventeen thirty. Oh, here we go again. Don't worry, Jim will fix it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought we might go through this whole review without really talking about oh, this. I'm sorry. Maybe I shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> Well, no, I thought, shall I bring this up in the B-scale? <laughs> <laughs> or not. Now, <laughs> Americans or non-British people. Oh, God. Think much, much worse Bill Cosby. Yeah, much, much worse. It, he had a TV show. His name was Jimmy Savile. He had a TV show called, called Jim Will Jim Fix will It. Fix it. It was oh. sort of, I mean, wasn't it sort of a, but I've never seen it. I've only heard of it. It's sort of legendary in this country. Yeah, 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 it really was. It, wasn't it sort of a budget version of, like, the Make-A-Wish Foundation? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't always kids with, like, you know, that had uh, illness or something. It's, it's sometimes it'd be like, you'd write in and be like, Jim, I was hoping to, uh, you know, lead the Nottingham Forest team out on, you know, on Saturday. And he'd sort that out. Oh, okay. Like, and, but yeah, th- that's where the budget stuff would come on. It'd all be eminently doable stuff <laughs> you know like i want to know what makes london bridge work like you know like whatever <laughs> and then he'd take you on a thing about the london bridge but anyway it turns out he was abusing all this yeah he was a pedo fuck face anyway so the here's where it turns into circular trivia in a way it's clear to say that this is basically the period where jimmy Savile was the height of his powers the man basically was a bbc god yeah. At this specific time. Uh, sort of. I've, I've now seen something else, actually, that isn't entirely... That, that seems to... Is that contrary? Yeah, that seems to say that it hadn't started yet, but this must be a, a reference to it, right? So it must it be, must. at the very least, in pre-production. Shortly thereafter, there was... I mean, I say shortly thereafter. This is... Uh, when is this? In 1975, uh, we have the very first Jim Will Fix It Doctor Who crossover in which they do something with a Dalek. Some kid probably asked to see a Dalek. Oh, God. And then shortly thereafter, with the chap we've met, with Colin Baker, there was something called A Fix with Sontarans, which was another, like, a proper crossover in which, yeah, yeah, Sontarans appeared on the show. So anyway, so we've spent way too much time on this thing, but this is clearly, this is the BBC referencing another BBC property, and, uh, yeah. Yes. Basically, we've just now talked a long way around the UK equivalent of a Cosby joke. Yes. Yeah. Do you think Pertwee and Delgado liked each other? Yeah. Yeah? I reckon they did. they hung out? I reckon they did. They have awesome chemistry. I can see them as friends. Mm. I believe the the characters as friends in a way, and I reckon that there's something behind it. Uh, Can you imagine going for a pint with Delgado, though? He'd be like, oh, "Oh, I'll have a a pint of the bitter, and he'll have a cup of virgin's blood. Look at that fucking goatee. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine him being a granddad, like, it'll be scary as shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got another one. Hit me. We get the sonic screwdriver again in this one. Mm. 
And he uses the sonic screwdriver not as a screwdriver. He uses it as a scanner of sorts. Ooh, so is this the first... It might be. ...non-screwdriver app? Because he'd, he'd used it a couple of times to yeah. screw things. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. In this one, he uses it to detect where the, the alarm beam is, mm. which Joel then just blocks for no reason whatsoever. But yeah, pretty cool. Uh, mod wrestling? Mod wrestling. <laughs> I have no opinion on the mod wrestling. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, I think that's probably everything I had. Anything more, Leon, before we jump into reviews? Uh, oh, wait, hang on, sorry. I have to. Uh, how can we not point out that they have tearaway paper calendars? Isn't that great? That is, I mean... It's like, oh, what year is it? <laughs> Pan to the side, tear away paper calendar. I'm just going to pull a piece of paper off and says 2472. Oh, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> now, calendars don't work like that. Like, if it was already 2472, it's like, has someone been... It's like April 14th. <laughs> yeah, it's like, 2472. That's it, yeah. It's like someone's just like, man, it's been April 4, uh, tw- uh, you know, 2472 for six months now. <laughs> Get shit together, Stuart. <laughs> Why in the middle of the day does it, does that character, can't even remember who it was, tear a piece of paper off the calendar? The fact that there is one is so wonderful. They had to ham-fist just the mention of which year it was at some point in the serial, but they mm. could just have someone say it. Yeah. They which didn't they did. Have, they did, eventually. Yeah. So why create this redonkulous prop? I don't know. It's the best. It was good. It is the best. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 Ratings. A little bit too much went on in this serial. However, I wasn't as disturbed by Delgado's presence as you were. And I was quite impressed by some of the stuff that they uh, forced into this. Even though it's something that you encounter across not just sci-fi. Well, sci-fi in particular and certainly Doctor Who. The, the whole Pocahontas narrative. I, I liked seeing it again. I, I, I thought it worked. And I'll probably rewatch this serial at some point. I'm going to give it a 2.3. Hmm. Yeah. That's low. Yeah? Oh, that's low? I think so. Okay. I think that generally setup was good. Trajectory and narrative was good. The, you know, I liked that there was the, the mining company, but they had complications. There was internal struggle there with um, whatever his name was, Caldwell. Um, there was the colony. They had internal struggles. There was the, you know, the aboriginals. There's the trying to meet them to negotiate. There was an earth with a governance that made fucking sense and, you know, issues. And then the fucking master comes and goes, what a lovely narrative you've got here. Shame if someone comes and shits all over it. Um, yeah, so actually, I, I mean, I was pretty happy with that. Apart from, so it loses master points for me. Okay, but it had all the things I liked. The colony was good and well set up, and they, the, 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 like the two point three. The so miners had like a really fucking horrible uniform, which was awesome, and like an Aryan fucking prince. Like Leo. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was a douchebag, and he looked like one, he and was. he dressed like one. That was cool. Um, I'm giving this a solid 2.8. 2.8. Losing master points for me. Okay, nice. All right. Oh, I feel like my 2.3 is a little bit low. Fuck it, I'm going to stick with that. Uh, nice. Shall we go into Listener Minis? Let's. Listener Minis. Okie dokie. We have three Listener Minis. Actually, we have one Listener Maxi and two Listener Minis. In chronological order, the first one comes from Paul Forber. Hello, Paul. How you doing, Paul? Paul has, as usual, sent us a fantastic synopsis, but he has also this time tagged on a little bit more of a mini review. Uh, I don't know why I'm getting 
so squeaky over here. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna read out part of his review for its full splendor. Please go to whobackone.com and read it in its entirety. So Paul says, sadly, using the brigadier and unit strictly for comedy made them and their leader look silly. The scene where Joe marvelled at the TARDIS being bigger on the inside than on the outside was handled much more deftly. The Doctor told her the TARDIS was dimensionally transcendental, and his tossing off this term as both its meaning and explanation was simultaneously nonsensical and wonderful. Hmm. Paul goes on. A writer Malcolm Hulk believed the decision confining the Doctor to 20th century Earth left Doctor Who two basic plots and four alien invasion stories and three about mad scientists. Uh, later, he broke the new format temporarily. Colony in Space took the Doctor and Joe far away from Earth for the first time as the Time Lord's occasional compulsory agents. This outstanding decision proved the Doctor could be freed from his exile, reopening the show's limitless canvas for storytelling. Producer Barry Lett's team, though, had not previously filmed the TARDIS taking off or landing. Oh, this is going to explain it. So in this serial, both the Doctor and the Master's TARDIS suddenly appeared and vanished rather than slowly fading in and out while the familiar wheezing, groaning noise sounded. Mm. And he concluded saying getting the Doctor away from Earth was fantastic and the Master's use in this story during a season that overused him helped make this serial a highlight. That's very insightful, Paul. Yeah, lovely. Lovely, lovely, lovely lovely stuff. I want you to put a number on it. I want to know (laughs) what's your new... What's all of your wonderful thoughts and opinions expressed as a... As in... Boil it it down to... (laughs) Quantify it, yeah. Between zero and five. (laughs) Paul, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land who are not Paul, you can follow Paul on Twitter. He is at... Wordsmith Paul. Cool. Uh, next up, we have Peter Zunich. What up, Pete? Yo, yo, yo! <laughs> so, Peter writes, Despite my being bored with this story, every other time I watch it, I look on it favourably overall. Hmm. Perhaps I'm, the on- I'm only saying this because this time was one of these times I enjoyed it. Sure, there's a good amount of repetitiveness and a good amount of repetitiveness, <laughs> <laughs> but the story is somewhat engaging. This is definitely one that could have been a more successful five-part story Ooh. and possibly even shrunk down to four without injury. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Mm. Peter goes on, The characters are decent with a fair share of people to like and people to despise, but apart from Dent, no one truly shines until the master's quite welcome and unexpected arrival. We're on the same page, Peter. <laughs> Uh, Peter goes on, There are solid performances across the board, but nothing truly outstanding. This production, more than many of this time, does suffer from looking rather dated, with 70s hairstyles and future 70s costumes. The ships and the primitives, however, are a true standout, and it's sad they're never used again. While the puppet man was still <laughs> still lacking, at least we can say it was better than the ones used in Blake 7, which was made years after this. Retro rewrites. I'd love to have seen more about life in the colony and the hardships they endured in starting it. Could also have gotten a funeral scene to show the impact of the fighting on the colony. Also, I'd rather have trivial padding from uh, than monotonous repetition of all the dialogue scenes and plot points. Production could have used a boost from some more outdoor locations as well. Would it have killed anyone to use the failing crops or more of the ruins? Oh, did I mention it's repetitious? With some goofy moments, a rushed climactic scene, a race all too willing to kill themselves after eons of life. Yeah, and s- yeah, clearly, right? Yeah. And some wild rides in a buggy ser- and series holds attention, but other than costumes, not going to leave any lasting impressions or make the entire audience want to come back for more. So I give this one a male mud wrestling 2.3. Ka-ching! Ka-ching! <laughs> you feel very validated by I do, uh... I do. Oh, thank you so much, Peter, because I was feeling really bad, <laughs> bad there for a moment. <laughs> 
and the mud wrestling the mud wrestling the mud wrestling oh the mud wrestling (laughs) we don't mind dying pull that lever please (laughs) i've meant to play a bullet for years but my tiny arms won't let me i I live in the in a cupboard in the wall please (laughs) end end my suffering (laughs) i was one i was stuck in this murphy bed (laughs) years ago i'm not even supposed to be here why did we make these controls for limbs clearly much larger than mine (laughs) all right (laughs) We we have one more this one comes from Tracy from America. Yeah. Uh, Tracy is, ne- is is new to classics. She is new to classics. Old to new, but new to classics. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Tracy. Hey, Tracy. So, Tracy writes, Hey, guys. Bet you didn't expect to see me here in the classics. We weren't. <laughs> How's it going, Ponkin? And probably Nick. Definitely Nick. Hello. <laughs> also, definitely me. What the fuck, man? Well, he says, she, she <laughs> says Ponkin as a definitive article. Um... <laughs> I finally caught up with you, so you may be hearing from me on some of these oldies. Nice. Okay, what the hell is Joe wearing around her middle? Is it one of those things from the 80s? I'm going to call a belly pack. It's a bum bag there, Tracy. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, snap. Is Joe really from the future? Oh, wait. It's just a hideous belt. Yeah. <laughs> Tracy goes on, pretty good mud fights in the last episode. Nice. I cannot think of a single mud fight I've ever seen that was better. This is something I've truly been missing from all the fast-paced, high-action content modern shows deliver. My last thought is simply this. Watching the old episodes for the first time alongside New Who's Capaldi slash Missy Dynamic is quite interesting. I'm still deciding how I feel about the Master as a character. Rating? Here's mud in your eye. Which I reckon is like a 2.8. Really? I have no idea. I I don't know why they want to agree with me. (laughs) That is awesome. Uh, Tracy, thank you so much for sending that in, and welcome to the classics. Welcome. Why do our listeners right now hate numerous? (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen who are not Tracy, you can follow Tracy on Twitter. She is at yekatnyatnuf. That's Fountain Tracy, backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, I think that might be it. What have we got next, Nick? The next classic who is The Daben. Dang right it is. (laughs) And the next new who is? The Waters of Mars. That one's terrible, if memory serves. It's both good and bad. It's it's one of those. It is medium. (laughs) Parts of, sorry, spoiler alert, parts of Waters of Mars are actually just like, oh, wow, yeah, love it. And then other parts are just, someone please help me harakiri myself. Like, this is the worst shit I have ever seen. Cool. Wait for that. (laughs) (laughs) Really looking forward to it. Next Sunday. Mm. In the meantime, people can follow you on Twitter, can they not? They can. At Nicolaley. It's mostly been political rant at the moment, but Mm. I'll get back to Doctor Who. (laughs) (laughs) And they can follow you. I am at Ponkin. Yeah, you know how to spell that, probably. Until the next time, be rad and excellent to each other. Thank you so much for listening. Rock on and cha-chao. Bye. Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. Don't have any friends? No problemo. Tell some strangers. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you on Google Plus? Then find us on Google Plus. That's plus who back when. And when you do, tell us why you're on Google Plus. Who Back When just got its very own Twitter account, no lie, so give us a follow. You guessed it, that's at Who Back When, all in one word. Check us out on SoundCloud, vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can leave a comment, submit a review of your own, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Not only would it make us super chuffed, and it really, really would, but as thanks, we will transmigrate your 
iTunes nom de plume into the credit list of trailers for fake Doctor Who audiobooks produced by Who Back When. Have a poke around our bonus episodes to make more sense of that. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next classic Who review, new Who review, or <laughs> still funny, audio Who review. Ciao. Who Back When.